Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to stop what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. We take a look at how that came to that decision and what those first crucial steps were in getting their businesses up and running. My name is Kieran, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Van Der Beek. He's the founder of accountancy firm Illuminate, which has run for the last 10 years, and they're known for pushing the boundaries in their cloud-based advisory-led accounting firm. Illuminate have won multiple accounting industry awards and saw Andrew named as Australia's accounting industry thought leader of the year. Andrew also loves whiskey and will probably like to own a whiskey bar someday. So maybe we might touch on that in a minute. Uh, Andrew is also coming to the UK on a roadshow tour uh, in May with three events in Birmingham, Manchester and Edinburgh. And the event is called Who Cares Accounting for Your Tomorrow. Um, how are you, Andrew? Uh, how's it all going for you today? I'm well, thanks, mate. No, things are going good. It's uh, it's been a, a solid, beautiful day here down in uh, Victoria, in Australia, where I'm from. And um, yeah, looking forward to getting over to the UK a week and a half before I jump on a plane, which I am incredibly excited about. Nice. When was the last time you were outside of Oz? Oh, look, uh, I would say the last time I was outside of Oz was probably when I went to the UK in 2019. I was over there to catch up and do some accounting industry stuff there. So I was, I was yeah. hoping to come back in 2020 and then obviously the dirty sea got in the way. And yeah. um, it's been uh, it's been on Australia quarantine for the last couple of years. <laughs> Big Scotty Morrison's not a fan of, of getting in there the country, is he? <laughs> Look, he's uh, he, they they have their ways, they they do their things, but you know the good news is that we're we're out and about now, and um, I'm 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 looking forward to being able to jump on a plane and spend time with some people who have a slightly different accent than me. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to to welcoming to the UK in May. Um, but tell me a little bit more about Illuminate, or more more kind of what were you doing before Illuminate uh, that brought you to to, to set it up. Yeah, good question. So I, I've I've always been an accountant straight out of high school. Uh, I got a an undergraduate kind of position with a big four accounting firm, uh, and and for those of you who know me, might be like, you worked at a big four accounting firm. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> Um, so very quickly, I learned that maybe I wasn't quite big for accounting firm material. And that's no beat on anyone that's in that space. Uh, it's just more of a recognition of who I am. But I spent five, almost six years working there. You know, I got my accounting qualification, got partway through my postgrad in terms of my CA qualifications. And then this beautiful thing called the global financial crisis hit way back when. Uh, and I found out that I no longer had a job. Uh, whether I wanted one or not, I didn't have one. Yeah. And so I, I spent a bit of time thinking about, you know, where do I want to go from here and realizing that, you know, this kind of large corporate environment is not my vibe. So I found myself a nice little suburban accounting firm close to where I grew up and I spent a couple of years there and I just kept on having this, I don't know, like this feeling of just being unfulfilled. I'm just mm. putting numbers in a box, right? I'm just getting a number, putting it in a box and I'm clicking a button. I'm just keeping people out of jail. And I'm sure there's that's important and that's great, but like, where are the people behind this? And I've, I've always been a people person. I've always connected yeah. and enjoyed those experiences. And um, I guess that was the catalyst for where I, I am now, 10 years after that kind of whole where the heck are the people kind of moment of yeah. going, maybe maybe accounting can be more relational than transactional. And what might that look like? And that um, led me on my journey 10 years ago to quit my job at the age of 26, start an accounting firm and um, go from there. Nice. And was it like, a gradual progression to say look i need to go meet some people or is it just a sudden light bulb moment like this is not that much fun i need to do something about this 
I love that you call it a light bulb moment. Illuminate, we have a light bulb as a logo. So good on brand <laughs> stuff there, my friend. Um, no, it definitely it definitely was like just a baptism of fire, we could call it. Yeah. It was just, I was sitting there going, I want to do more, I want to be more, and be more connected. You know, I've also, you know, I, I feel like there's more purpose and I wasn't sure the environment I was in was going to be one that allowed me to live that out. I wasn't yeah. sure if joining another firm was going to do that. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to start. Like I never had aspirations to start yeah. Andrew Vanderbeek Accounting. Um, so I, I, look, I reached out to a couple of people. I said, do you know someone I could have a chat to? I got it connected to this guy called Jason. And a month later, we decided to start an accounting firm together. I had no nice. clients. I had no savings. Um, I, my <laughs> wife, you know, is a beauty Perfect. therapist. And so she's not exactly a high income earner. Um, yeah. But I, I've got a lovely history of making really good, bad decisions um, that look really bad at first. And eventually they kind of work out. So it was definitely a bit more spur of the moment. And, and touching base on the kind of zero clients, zero money side of things. So what was the tactics for you and Jason? Like, obviously, when you start something up, you can't really be that choosy as to who your clients mm. are. But did you try and have a bit of a hook or a bit of an angle as to who you were going to try and chat to or, or sign up in the first instance? Well, look, I'd say in the, the first, you know, three and a half, four years of Illuminate. So Jason, no longer part of Illuminate, still a good mate, it's, uh, you know, has been an advisory mentor of mine for a number of years. But I'd say in those early days, we, we kind of had a plan in terms of we wanted to be more relational, more connected, uh, but we didn't mm -hmm. really have a plan in terms of who we work for. So initially yeah. it was, um, so Jason, who's you know 10 years older than I, uh, very smart, very well connected. All of a sudden people knew that he had capacity. And then they went, well, if you've got capacity, here comes some work. And, and that kind of kept me busy for a while nice. until we started discovering the cloud. And it was pretty early in. So we're about six months into our journey. Actually, really, it was day one. We were like, I don't, we can't have anything tied to a server because we just work from our home slash from our clients. So everything has to be hosted yeah. somewhere. And then we yeah. jumped on the zero bandwagon about 10 years ago. And then that probably became a big catalyst for us of recognizing, nice. you know, cloud-based accounting. And we'd literally like, we, you know, we got an office about nine months in and had a big zero sticker on the door. And we'd get people every week just walk up the stairs. Oh, are you zero? I'm like, no, no, we're not zero, but we do zero. Oh, that's great. My accountant has no idea yeah. about zero and I want to use it or I am using it. I need someone who gets it. And, and Andrew, was... Was like uh, MyOB or MYOB around at the time, or was yep. zero really? Yeah. So, um, um, what MyOB was why the wasn't... was the industry leader then? You'd say that yeah. was they were still the you know the incumbent. And why wasn't that working? Or why was everyone drawn so much to zero? Do you think? Yeah. Look, it's a great question. So, my experience wasn't really heavy MyOB. Like I'd used it, but I'd never really paid much attention to it. Which is probably yeah. a good example of why zero is that zero it grabbed your attention. It made you stop and think. It said, yeah. hey, what about this? What if we do it this way? And I think what had happened with Maya was they, and for me, like, you know, I'd been an accountant for, you know, almost eight years at that point. Not once had yeah. Maya grabbed my attention. Not once had that software made me think about how I could be a better accountant. It was just a means to an end. Whereas Zero yeah. presented you know, a means to a future, a means to something yeah. different. Oh, what if you could do it this way? What, and I was like, sweet, I can be on the road all the time. This is great. Also, mm. I can access my client data from anywhere. Wow, I can yeah. be more efficient. I can be more connected. I can be oh, more relational. That's what I want to be as an accountant. I want to be more relational. And I think Zero really showed me that. Whereas I just felt that my, did they didn't have any plan and they took way too long to bring out a, yeah. a, an appropriate half decent cloud-based product. So it's, yeah, it's basically 
listen to that back it's all about getting yourself out from your desk it's the fact that you're not stuck to your desk stuck to one solution um and that obviously gave you that that freedom um and okay just kind of doing a mental timeline in my head if if you were kind of pack things in with the big four gfc time and we're doing a couple of stuff locally it was probably 2012 2013 that you were setting this up so i'd imagine at that time you've got things like social media starting to kick off websites are more important seo that's a sort of things were you looking at that to get new clients after the kind of jason gravy train wasn't there or what what way were you looking as well as obviously getting on the road how are you picking up clients I love that you just referred to as Jason as being a gravy train. I'm going to let him know about that. That's great. But but yeah, so let's just let's fast forward, you know, three and a half, four odd years. And, and, and Jason and I decided that um, the direction of the business and where we're heading was, was great, but it wasn't quite um, where Jason wanted to go and what Illuminate yeah. needed from Jason he couldn't quite deliver, which was totally cool. Uh, and yeah. there was that moment, I remember that moment after I decided to, I decided to, you know, buy him out of the business and, you know, all of a sudden I've got some debt. I've never, never experienced that before. I remember oh, standing yeah. in my, my office at the time and, and kind of internally bitching and moaning about, oh, you know, <laughs> this isn't happening here and we don't have these clients, we aren't doing this. And, and I found myself almost saying, Jason, why aren't you doing these things? And, yeah. I, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, he ain't here yeah. anymore, buddy. Like, turn the finger around, point at your chest, take some responsibility and figure it out. Do something yeah. about it. And that for me was this catalyst of like, okay, cool, I will. Oh, wait, but who is Illuminate? Who are we? What do we stand yeah. for? Like we, we started this business because we wanted to be more relational, but we haven't really done anything since then. What do, what do we stand for? What are we about? Who are we? What's mm. our identity? And that was the catalyst for really okay. connecting and understand brand identity, authenticity, who we are, what we stand for. How do we, how do we articulate that? And how do we connect with others to help them to understand that? And I think that's really led us to where we are today, where I'm pretty comfortable and confident that we're, we're one of the kind of crazies out there in terms of our brand is we know who we are. People know who we are. And that and that is great because it divides people positively saying we want to mm. or we don't want to work with them. And, and we have people joining us because of that. And talk me through that kind of catalyst moment then, Andrew. How did you start to define what the brand is, what you stood for, that you could start to imbibe this culture that you're referring to now where people sign up to join you with? Like, how did you come about getting to what it is and what you stand for? So I I think what was really important that we did at the time is we brought our existing team on board. Um, And actually, if I reflect, the the team back then, there's only one of those team other than myself that are still part of the business. We're only five people at that point. We're 20 now. And we went away for a couple of days. We went to this place called Phillip Island. It's got a couple of nice surf beaches. I don't surf. I probably should. No, no, no. And we, we spent a few days eating, drinking. We had a friend of a friend of our business who's a great kind of marketing storyteller came and spent a half a day with us unpacking that. And we asked a lot of questions around like, who are we? Like, what, what, mm. who do we work with? Why do we do that? Like, if we work with these kind of people, where would you find them? What questions would they be asking? What, what are their interests? What is that about? And then conversely, who are you, Andrew? Who are you, rest of team? And then how do we take that ball of everything and we then kind of like clay, we model that out, a little bit of ghost style, right? We're all just, you know, massaging the clay with the music playing in the background and all of a sudden (laughs) this beautiful picture of Illuminate comes and we go, oh, crap, like we're not one person. We're not one idea. We're not one decisive thing. We have to be the collective of. And I'm constantly reminded that like, 
I have to be really careful that Andrew just doesn't think this is it. This is what it is and doesn't listen to other people. But it really yeah. was getting away from the desk. It was gathering the people who are living and breathing this thing every day, having someone to help to coordinate that conversation and yeah. being very, very focused on we need to understand who we are, not who people want us to be. Because if yeah. we just think about who people want us to be, what happens is you'll just become a copycat. You'll become Illuminate slash Illuminine, right? You'll just go, oh, that works for them, so that should work for me. No, no, no. It's about who am I? What do we stand for? Who wants to work with us? And thus, now I know how to find them. Because if I'm trying to be somebody else, eventually they'll figure out that I'm just pretending. I'm just putting a mask on every day. And I, I talk this whole, the idea of like when we, when this branding and this, this kind of connection to authenticity kind of thing happened, it was like the next day I decided to get out of bed and not put my accountant clothes on and just be mm. Andrew. And it was mm -hmm. this freeing connection of like, cool, I don't have to pretend anymore. Not that I yeah. was pretending all that much, but like I just felt more connected, more real, more authentic. I'm putting on mm. Andrew's pants. I'm going to do what <laughs> Andrew's good at. I'm not an accountant called Andrew. I'm Andrew who happens to be good at accounting. And that's yeah. what we have tried to encourage and embrace amongst our team on going from there. Nice. And just touching on the kind of the talent side of things, like anyone who's kind of growing a business, and as you said, you've gone from five to, to 20, what, how have you looked to recruit people? What kind of attributes do you look for? How do you kind of keep a balance amongst characters? What are kind of things you've learned along the way? Well, look, you get on your hands and knees and you beg and you plead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what it feels like at the moment. Like, you know, you, you talk about what it was five years ago, you talk about what it yeah. is now. And I think a lot of a lot of business owners, regardless of what industry you're in, I know in Australia particularly, there um, there just seems to be that there's no one available to work anymore, regardless of where you're at. So yeah. um, if I look at it historically, the big thing for us, that brand, that authenticity, that understanding your language, understanding how you communicate is critical. If you know that, that's not just valuable for your clients, it's valuable for your potential staff members. Yeah. People will look at that and go, I see a bit of me in that firm. I like what they're about. I hear what they're talking about and I, I just connect with that a bit more. So for us, that was really critical in, in that kind of state. The other thing yeah. that I think was really important through that whole recruitment process is don't try and have a box that someone has to fit into. Because gotcha. if you're just trying to find someone who could lodge a tax return or someone who can file a document or whatever the heck it is that you do, you're missing out on what the potential of that person might look like. So, yeah, we still have to do all these things. There's a bunch of critical stuff and we have to have a skill set and it has to happen and hopefully we can automate it. But if we can't automate it, we need people to do it. But if yeah. we're not paying attention when people come across our desk or, or, you know, we bump into them, they're like, hey, I can do that. But I'm also really good at this. So, you yeah. know, Shane, who's in our team, who now leads all our tech stuff, who's I'm trying to remove him completely from anything to do with accounting. Um, yeah. Kate in our team who came on board as an accountant who now leads our bookkeeping business. Like these people who have skill sets and you go, how can yeah. I tap into that and provide you the opportunity to excel, which in, in, in turn helps my business to excel as well. Yeah, nice. So of all the 20, are they all accountants and have gone into potentially other areas within your business or, or at some points you bring kind of non-accountant brains into your business? 
Well, look, we've obviously we've got an administrative team uh, yeah. and whatnot who are who are not accountants, um, but they're not yeah. necessarily doing accounting or potentially not even doing billable stuff. You know, we've got um, you know David in our team who looks after our marketing, community development kind of stuff. So he works a lot with me around you know our brand and the, and the initiatives that we try to do to connect with our clients. Yeah, um, you know, we we brought in Jason uh, a couple of years. Literally, I think it was like a, a month before COVID hit, we bumped into him, and then COVID hit, and like he worked for two years and no one saw him, and then finally we. <laughs> about but you know he's he's, yeah. he's an accountant but he's also got a social work degree he also co-owns a brewery and a winery and he's run cafes and so we, we, we look cool. to bring in those skill sets but I, yeah. I wouldn't say that i've gone real crazy and gone oh let's just bring in like someone who's good at that that has nothing to do with what we do because <laughs> what i've learned over time is that you can go as crazy and wild as you like but you still have to have the rest of your team on board with the decision and if yep. you go too far and too left of center and too all over the place, you lose them. And when you lose them, that new person that jumps on board won't have a good experience. And therefore, yep. you'll have a lot of conflict internally and you don't want to have that. Yep. Um, one of the words that you kind of touched on many times uh, is relation, relations and relational. Um, so it's obviously very important to your business. How do you manage that? Um, obviously, you're, you one eye sometimes on winning new clients, but obviously, keeping clients and, and giving them and growing with them is probably really, really important. So what have you learned in terms of good practices there? Yeah, look, I, I think it comes down to understanding the type of people that you're going to work well with before you start working with them. So you talked about, you know, did you accept any client back in the day? Yeah, we, we did. And then we learned that there were a bunch of people that we didn't actually connect or get along with. You know, we know yeah. we work really well with people in, you know, creative services, people in e-commerce, you know, yeah. alcohol, hospitality, you know, those kind of spaces we work really well in. But there's people in those areas that are absolute turds and you don't want to work <laughs> with them because they don't connect with you or they don't understand you. You know, yeah. I've learned that, you know, you connect really well with people that are five, maybe 10 years either side of your age group because you're going through life at the same time. I yeah. can talk to them about the fact that my five-year-old keeps drawing on the wall with texters and it's driving me nuts and they get it and they understand it. So we can have empathy and sympathy. We can connect there. Um, so, so I think it's really important first and foremost from a relationship perspective to be very protective of who you're working with, both staff, mm. team and your clients. So that works really well. Yeah. I think secondly, then you, you really need to understand that how do you actually show your clients that you give a crap about them? Yeah. One big thing that we find, you know, when we, we, we pick up new clients, we ask them a lot of questions, why are you coming here? What are you looking for? And, mm. you know, the top three questions, the reasons we have for people changing accounts. One is they they don't like surprises, they're sick of surprises, which is code for yeah. I keep getting a bill for six minute blocks and I don't know why. So stop, <laughs> stop invoicing me out of the blue. Start doing it, you know, recurring revenue. Start using Ignition and get them on regularly recurring the direct deposits. Do that. Then they know what they're paying yeah. for. Um, yeah. So the other one was, oh, I want my accountant to be more proactive. Now, the problem is that clients don't know what the heck proactive means, but realistically, yeah. what it means for them is I don't want to, I want to know how much tax I have to pay before I have to pay it. So let me yes. know what that looks like and let, help me to understand why. So cool, we'll, we'll do that. The last one is where the kicker comes in. It's a little bit sad that we have to say this, but I want my accountant to have my best interest at heart. Hmm. And that was number three in the most common reasons why people move accountants to illuminate. And I've, this is probably after hundreds of people I've met and conversed with over the years. Hmm. So why is that? Why do they feel that their accountant doesn't care about them? 
Why do they feel that their accountant doesn't have their best interests at heart? So what can we do as an accountant to evidence that? And sometimes it's through communication, you know, providing good quality clarity and what we do as an accountant, how it goes mm-hmm. about, when it's going to happen. So they don't have the surprises. They feel like we're proactive. Taking the time to ask questions beyond just numbers-based thing. So when I'm coming to the UK, I'm talking this whole idea of who cares accounting yeah. for you tomorrow. If people are running businesses that want to make more impact these days. They want to mm-hmm. contribute to society. They want to help people. Their accountant should be asking why that is, understanding what that is. And then when they're communicating mm-hmm. and delivering our accounting numbers-based services, connecting it back to that purpose. So I think that's one of the big things, you know, mm-hmm. understanding a client's purpose, understanding why they're doing, understanding what they want the outcome to look like and recognizing that sometimes it's not what a stereotypically great financially performing business looks like. Sometimes... Yeah. They want to spend more time with their family. Sometimes they want to provide opportunities for people in their community. Sometimes it is about yeah. making heaps of money. Maybe it's all of them at once, but you've got to show them that you understand that and you've got to remind yeah. them and connect with them and be real about it. Like be authentic about that's what you care. Yeah. And if you don't care about it, then don't pretend. Don't pretend. Yeah. It's not worth it. Um, and then just touching back on the flip side of that. So we kind of alluded to like there's some turds out there as he as he put it. Um, <laughs> how how have you kind of I suppose kind of educated your team or new staff members on like the characters and the traits of like just bad bad clients drop it as, as soon as it's hot? Like what have you kind of learned? Because I'm sure as accountants out there, everyone's experienced it. You might be just starting out your practice. You've got your first couple of clients, but you've just got a bad feeling in it. You try and drag through it because your early days, but at the end of the day, they're just complete and utter douche. How do you find ways to kind of identify that and, and, and cut ties? Yeah, that's a great one. So obviously we want to do that before we start work with them, right? So we want to have yeah. some <laughs> kind of parameters, some kind of lens that we go through. So ideally, uh, whether that's your team or whether that's yourself, you should have a process that helps identify that. So I'll always ask, yeah. why are you leaving your account? And yeah. if I hear, oh, they're useless, they never respond to things, you know, I needed this and they just weren't able to help me. And if, if it's quite aggressive, heavily, yeah. you know, worded, I'll be like, oh, I've got a feeling it might be that you're just an unreasonable client who doesn't understand that accountants have a lot on and that we can't yeah. respond in 30 seconds to your request. So so it's really about initially asking those probing questions to understand what that looks like. So you want you want to, you want to hopefully not onboard them. Now, you say you have onboarded someone and maybe they were great initially and then they've gone through some rocky stuff. Yeah. We need to understand, is this who they are as people? Or is yeah. this just something that's going on? So sometimes, you know, team will be like, oh, offended, or this client's asking too much. And it's like, well, let's help to understand why they might be communicating that way. Yeah. Are they stressed? Are they under the part? And this is, this is where they're showing a client that you care is like, don't just ask them about the financial performance. Ask them what's going on in their world. How is yeah. life? What's happening? How's the family? Is everything okay? Because I've had times where I've had, oh, actually, you know, me and my partner, and we're not going well. It looks like we're going to be breaking up. Yeah. Oh, now it makes sense why you're a turd on the phone. Now it makes sense right. why your numbers yeah. aren't looking good. Now it makes sense yeah. why you are just not positively talking about stuff. Now that's yeah. you know few and far between. Sometimes it is because they are just not particularly nice people. And I think yeah. you need, as, as a business owner and a leader, you need to protect your people. Mm-hmm. Everyone says mm-hmm. client first. No, I say team first. You look after yeah. your team well, they'll look after your clients well. If you look after yeah. your clients, you're saying to your team, I don't care what you have to do, make my client happy because yeah. I'll get rich because of it. And I don't think yeah. that's a, it's not a good way to retain staff at the end. <laughs> it's not a strong motivational factor for the no, staff. No, no. Uh, no, 
I don't think so. Um, one area that was kind of keen to pick your brain on is I, I think a general kind of macro trend amongst kind of big banks are they're not so necessarily interested in small businesses and say maybe they're turning over maybe $10 million or so. So instead of having kind of one-to-one -one relationship with them or having a heavy branch network, you've got lots of small businesses now who traditionally went to their bank manager, but are now going to their accountant more and more for financial advice, understanding things when getting access to finance. A lot of the kind of initial questions that you would have traditionally gone to your bank manager, how have you uh, seen uh, that as a trend develop and, and what how, how is your team kind of adapted to that where people are coming more for the kind of financial advisory get access to finance type of questions mm. oh huge absolutely huge. and 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 that that client is 95 percent of the people that we work with at illuminate we work with yeah. small aussie family-owned businesses that are just trying to do good some of them yeah. grow and do great stuff some will say small and are really happy about it but it is a yeah. massive challenge they don't yeah. have the ability just to have a you know, jump on the phone and chat to John or Jenny and be like, oh, hey, bank manager, you know, yeah. uh, you know, things are looking a bit tight. Do you reckon I can get an extra 50 grand? Like, I, I remember I've got a story of my own, like when I was running the business in the early days, just after Jason had moved on, yeah. it's coming up to Christmas and we haven't yet adopted some of the approaches that we do now to have a healthier cash flow. Yes. And I was like, geez, we're going to need an extra couple of dollars. And the year before, yeah. we, we had the same situation. We spoke to our bank manager, it was all good. This year, I was like, geez, it's looking a bit tight. I'll give him a, couple, a call a few weeks ahead of it and have yeah. a chat. Oh, sorry, your bank manager doesn't work here anymore. You've been transferred there. You call that person. Oh, look, I'm really sorry. You've been transferred, but you're not big enough. So you, I'm not looking after you. You have to go over there. You call that guy. You're like, oh, no, that, that's actually wrong. I'm sorry, but we can't help you. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, so what? Yeah. What do I do here? How do I do this? And with... See, that's like, that was a crappy experience for me. It mm. led me to change from that bank and find a, a, a business bank that I felt like I had a bit of a better connection and understanding with. But it's working with accountants, advisors, finance brokers, and those kind of mm. people who can say, cool, like we can look at your situation, bring in our expertise and connect you to the bank. We will never yeah. leave you. Your bank might, but we know because we're running a business and our business is to ensure that people like you are happy. And if we keep changing our staff and moving all these kind of things, you can have a really crappy experience. So I, yeah. I definitely see like I, it, it, sometimes clients don't realize that you can help them with this stuff. And obviously yeah. there's, you know, there's rules and regulations and licenses that we have to make sure that we're not overstepping the boundary of what we're allowed to talk or allowed to support people on. Yeah. But yeah. from a cash flow perspective, more and more and more people are asking the question. And I think from an, an advisor, an accountant, bookkeeper perspective, more and more and more opportunities are there for us to be able to support our clients in that space. And I, and I see it's more, as a, it's more of a connector, right? We mm. understand the parameters in the realm. We leverage off the experts, the brokers and the finance people out there. We then connect our client to those people. And then we support them in the background through the process to make sure they're comfortable and aware of what's going on. Mm. I'm not the one that's filling out the loan docs. I'm not the one that's deciding this is or is not the best loan for them, but I'm yeah. helping them and holding their hand through that process because they go, cool, I know that I can go back to Andrew and be like, oh, Andrew, I was just chatting with um, you know, you know, Stevie over here and, and Stevie said that I should do this. Just want to double check. This doesn't make sense. Can you, does it make sense to yeah. you? And I'll be like, yeah, actually, this is what it is. I've seen it a dozen times. And they're like, oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. Now I'm happy. So yeah, Absolutely. all the time. How, and if, yeah. you, if you're out there and it's not happening to you, I would be saying you probably should figure out how to be involved in these conversations because mm -hmm. they are some of the most impactful conversations there. Mm -hmm. The ability to get that startup e-commerce business $50,000 so they can buy that stock to get ahead of mm -hmm. the curve of what their demand looks like. 
you know, to, for people to be able to go, I need to go and buy that new piece of machinery. How do I go and afford it? I don't have the money. I want to go buy this business. I don't have the money to buy the business, but, you know, could I potentially secure it? Could I have a guarantor? Is there different funding? What do these options look like? And I think the accountant yeah. plays a really critical role in it. Oh, I mean, the accountant is almost like the artist in that, in that example there because they are forecasting and showing you the different pictures of what it could be. And for some business owners, because they're so in the midst of things and running around doing a million things at once. And it's very hard to visualize the opportunities or understand the complexities of if I take the stock now on this day and advance this e-commerce facility, or if I do purchase this business, oh, I actually don't need to, to pay everything at once. I can stagger it over this and, and this is how I can realize the opportunity. But it's it's the accountant that's essentially sticking on the glasses and allowing them to, 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 to see the opportunity. Um, yep. of, of what's yep. possible or in, in the other end of things absolutely not possible please do not do this you will wreck your cash flow so uh, both, both sides equally, equally I, I do love it where they're like oh it's only 24% interest I'm like I know <laughs> but you're paying it back in three weeks you realise if you multiply that out by a year you're paying a ridiculous amount of interest like, oh I didn't realise that yeah yeah not great but yeah yeah uh, yeah, sadly, too many examples of that out there. Um, and just you yourself, in terms of Illuminate, you've, you've obviously grown the business over the last 10 years. Where where do you see it going next? Is it something that you want to consistently grow at a certain rate? Or are you kind of happy the way it is at the moment, how it's functioning? Kind of, What are you thinking in terms of Illuminate? I feel like this is a question that's being asked of a lot of business owners in general lately. And I, yeah. I reckon I've personally been asked this question at least 20 times in the last two months. Now that we're finally in Australia out and about and in events and meeting and bumping into people and, oh, so, you know, yeah. what's the future for Illuminate? What does that look like? And you're asking the same thing. Oh, you know, so what are you guys going to do? It's like, now we're out and about, we can do stuff. Now, where yeah. do you want to go? My, my objective has always been, I want a great business regardless of where I'm at. So yeah. it's not about trying to grow to get to a point where I have a great business. I always want to have a great business. But then where do we go from here and what do we do with the greatness that we might have? How do we, how do we impact our clients and our community? I, I talked about impact and purpose and mm-hmm. I see our business continuing to double down on understanding the purpose of our clients and finding ways to report back to them their ability to achieve that. You know, we're a team of 20 right now. You know, maybe our team will double in a couple of years. Maybe it won't. Yeah. Um, but our focus is on running a great business and working with our core, our core clients to achieve what they wanted to get through. So yeah, like we've got, we've got four other team members that are now in equity here at Illuminate. Um, there's probably a couple of people that are, you know, in the next couple of years might have an opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Now, if we've got other people joining in equity, logically we have to grow because we yeah. can't stay the same and then all of a sudden just eat away equity and give it to people without, you know, growing. So we'll, there'll be growth that'll come. I think, you know, this year we've grown 20%, but we've intentionally tried not to grow. So yeah. I'm a little bit nervous about if we sit there and go, let's actually grow and see what happens. Yeah. But it'll just be, it'll be more of the same. It'll be working nice. with great Aussie businesses. It'll be meeting with them frequently. It'll be understanding what they're trying to achieve. And at the end of the day, the core of what we do is keep them out of jail by lodging a document on time, but delivering a really cool service and having a whole bunch of fun along the way. Awesome. And then I suppose final question for me, when are you kicking the whiskey business off? Oh, I like it. So um, I have I have intentionally, every time I've had a public speaking gig, any time I've been on stage, whether it's in Australia or whether it's around the world, I've made it known that my goal in life is to have my own whiskey bar. 
Yeah. And it's because it's something that's most important. I, I, well, sorry, my family is most important to me, but outside of my family, it's something <laughs> that is most important to me. I love my whiskey. I love creating experiences and I just really appreciate what that is. So Illuminate a year and a half ago purchased a factory, a warehouse, 640 squares in an industrial Love space. Love um, and over the last six months, you know, wrestling council and builders and trades and all the delays, we've been working to fit that out. And so uh, three weeks ago, we moved into the top floor, which is where our office space is. And downstairs at the moment, and over the next month, it'll be completed, will be, you know, function rooms, there'll be co-working space, a basketball ring, podcast room, and a whiskey bar. And so we'll have oh, finally making, that whiskey make, bar will be there. That's deadly. Making the dreams come true. I love that. Making the dream. It, it reminds me a little bit of uh, old mate Will Fennell from Fennell Clark and and his, you know, pub in the office. And we've got a bit of a similar thing. I remember visiting him and seeing that and go, that's cool. Like, and that was kind of like, I've always wanted something like that. So it's not yeah. a licensed bar. This isn't something where, you know, job blogs can walk off the street and order a whiskey, but it's designed to say, hey, like the people that are part of our community, the people that work in this space, we have that environment to do so, and then I can help yeah. to connect them through that. And you know what? Maybe it means the whiskey that we get is a somewhat tax deductible, maybe, somehow. <laughs> I, 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 don't I don't know. I'm not the tax guy I mean, anymore. I have to ask yeah. the tax guy on that. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, Andrew, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Um, thanks so much for spending your time uh, chatting today. And wish you all the best for Illuminate. And uh, hopefully get to see you in the UK when you come over here. Cheers, mate. I cannot wait to see everybody at Edinburgh, Manchester, Birmingham. You'll see me. I'll also be at London at Accountex and Digital Accounting Show. So can't oh, wait I to see you all. You, I will see you at Accountex. Right on. <laughs> Thanks so much.